This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. It's time to stand up against big tech. Protect your data at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Yesterday, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York took to the floor of the Senate to decry anti-Semitism. Schumer is not an amazing source on this particular topic, given his consistent support of the Middle East policies of the most anti-Semitic president in modern American history, Barack Obama. Nonetheless, he spoke about the threat of anti-Semitism, and in a rare moment of quasi-honesty, he actually mentioned the problem of anti-Semitism among liberals. Here's what he had to say. I feel compelled to speak because I'm the highest-ranking Jewish elected official in America. In fact, the highest-ranking Jewish elected official ever in American history. And I have noticed a significant disparity between how Jewish people regard the rise of anti-Semitism and how many of my non-Jewish friends regard it. Anti-Semites are taking advantage of the pro-Palestinian movement to espouse hatred and bigotry towards Jewish people. But rather than call out this dangerous behavior for what it is, we see so many of our friends and fellow citizens, particularly young people who yearn for justice, unknowingly aiding and abetting their cause. Note the language there. There are people hijacking the pro-Palestinian movement. They're hijacking it. The young people, they're, they're so good-hearted, they just don't know what they do. Schumer actually explained that the phrase from the river to the sea, a genocidal call to destroy all Jews, was actually just ignorance. Plenty of people, Schumer actually said, chant that phrase, quote, not because they hate Jewish people, but because they support a better future for Palestinians. Of course, that is a lie. And it's a particularly egregious lie when Schumer himself has had zero to say about anti-Semites Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar inside his own caucus. For example, there were some people last night chanting from the river to the sea in New York City while they attempted to stop the lighting of the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center last night. Do these look like good-hearted but slightly misinformed people to you? Did people attacking police officers right outside Rockefeller Center? Don't worry. According to Chuck Schumer, they're just too passionate about the pro-Palestinian cause. They're not anti-Semitic. They're not radical in any way. They're just ignorant, you know? Liberals, they're never the bad guys, according to Chuck Schumer. What we're watching is precisely the mentality created by the world of leftist ideology, and Schumer knows that. But he has to lie about it, because to recognize the roots of left-wing anti-Semitism would be to destroy the progressive ideology wholesale. That leftist ideology is based on a matrix of oppressor versus oppressed. That in any given situation, the powerless are oppressed and the powerful are the oppressors. That oppressor-oppressed matrix maps directly onto anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about Jewish power. Jews are pseudo-white because Jews are financially well-off and Israel is disproportionately successful in a really unsuccessful region of the world. The oppressor-oppressed matrix simply doesn't fit the Jews who are actually being victimized by widespread Jew hatred in the Middle East and abroad, but who also are very successful. So the left keeps pushing the lie. That's also true of the Anti-Defamation League, which put out a poll yesterday with Hillel International, which is a college group, asking college students if diversity, equity, and inclusion should cover anti-Jewish prejudice. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, is the rubric under which the left pushes the idea that unequal group outcomes are the result of systemic discrimination. So by that math, Jews are the beneficiaries of systemic discrimination because, of course, they're disproportionately successful. DEI simply cannot include Jews because DEI's basic logic forbids it. DEI opposes meritocracy. It opposes performance. It opposes success. Nonetheless, 
The 84% of Jewish students and 75% of non-Jewish college students said Jews should be included in DEI training, that Jews should be somehow included in the oppressor-oppressed matrix on the side of the oppressed. Of course, these students say that. What else exactly would they say? The premise of the question is so deeply flawed, only one answer is possible. To say that Jews shouldn't be included in DEI would be to discriminate against Jews, which violates the supposed basis of DEI itself. But to include Jews explodes the entire DEI superstructure. Because again, DEI is based on the idea of oppressor versus oppressed. And if Jews are included on the side of the oppressed, how are they so successful? So these students are saying what they're expected to say. Sure, the Jews can be included in the victim class without recognizing the central truth of DEI. It is a scam. Victimhood is not inherently connected to level of success. Sometimes the powerless are evil. Sometimes the powerful are good. Sometimes the powerless are actually victimizers. Sometimes the powerful are the victims. You can't fight anti-Semitism with DEI. You can only increase anti-Semitism with DEI because the entire framework is a conspiracy theory. The only way to truly fight anti-Semitism is to recognize what the Bible says in Deuteronomy. Quote, you shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. But that's the one thing Chuck Schumer and the ADL will never say, because again, it would violate their ideology. Instead, people on the left will pretend the true anti-Semitism doesn't lie in oppressor-oppressed matrices, but in people like Elon Musk. And they'll target him specifically because he doesn't like DEI. They will claim that DEI is the way to fight anti-Semitism. So if Elon Musk fights DEI, that means he's bad. They'll slander him as an anti-Semite, even as he goes to Israel to express solidarity with the families of murdered Jews. They'll try to activate advertisers to pull their money from Twitter, supposedly because Elon Musk is the root of all anti-Semitic evil. Elon Musk, to his credit, is fighting back against this. Here's a clip yesterday of Elon Musk. It's an absolute classic. He's being asked about advertisers canceling because they don't like his politics. Here is what he had to say to Andrew Ross Sorkin over a deal book in, at, in, at the New York Times. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. But go f*** yourself. Is that clear? I, I hope it is. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob is a reference to Bob Iger, who's in the audience, the head of Disney. All the people pushing DEI are the exact same people seeking to boycott Musk, are the exact same people who are seeking to pussyfoot around Hamas's feelings like right now. The Venn diagram of that group is a circle. That circle is the true threat to Jews in Israel and in the West. In just one second, we'll get to the latest from Israel where the tenuous ceasefire, the break, seems to be on the rocks, specifically because Hamas is, you know, murdering Jews again. We'll get to that momentarily first. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G 5G phone. No gimmicks, no trade-in necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gigs of data. You can get all of that for just 35 bucks. You'll get the Moto G 5G phone for free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. The new Moto G 5G boasts a two-day battery life, an exceptional quad-pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Get this exclusive offer. Select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make that switch today. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. You can claim your free Moto G 5G phone with a qualifying plan. Again, that's puretalk.com 
dot com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. I'm using Pure Talk for like a couple of years at this point. They're great. Their coverage is excellent. If it's good enough for me, it's certainly good enough for you as well. Check them out right now. PureTalk.com slash Shapiro. That's PureTalk.com slash Shapiro. Get to more on this in just one moment. First, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy before. Choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I actually research the show's sponsors because I want to recommend brands I believe in. I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. For starters, ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They've even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN also uses Lightway. That's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past that can sometimes slow your connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Not to mention, ExpressVPN, really, really easy to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you're connected. Even your grandparents could do it. I'm not just the one saying this. It's Business Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals. They rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN on planet Earth. Protect yourself with the VPN I know and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Get an extra three months free on that one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, not only do blinds enhance the aesthetic appeal of your home, they also offer practical benefits. By effectively blocking out harmful UV rays, they help protect your furniture and flooring from fading, ensuring your interiors retain their beauty for years to come. Their insulating properties help regulate the temperature inside your home, keeping it comfortable year-round while potentially reducing your energy bills. With over 40,000 five-star reviews, Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. You can measure and install them yourself or have Blinds.com send local professionals to take care of the installation for you. There's no showroom, no retail markets, no no matter how many, or installation is just one low cost. And if you don't have an eye for design, Blinds.com experts are always available to help choose the style and color right for you. Everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. With hundreds of styles and colors to choose from, Blinds.com is sure to have the perfect treatments for your windows. Shop Blinds.com's anniversary sale right now through March 13th for up to 50% off. Again, save up to 50% off for a limited time at blinds.com. And when you check out, don't forget to tell them you heard about them at the Ben Shapiro Show. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, now speaking of the latest in Israel. So Anthony Blinken, who's the Secretary of State, has traveled over to Israel in an attempt to extend this ceasefire. Here he was yesterday explaining that he'd like to see the pause that has been created by negotiations between Israel and Hamas via Qatar. They, they want to see that extended so more hostages are released. The big question here is whether this is a prelude to Western pressure for Israel to end its offensive against Hamas completely, which is insane, as we'll talk about momentarily. Here was Blinken yesterday. We'd like to see the pause extended because what it has enabled, first and foremost, is hostages being released. It's also enabled us to, uh, to surge humanitarian assistance into the people of Gaza who so desperately need it. Okay, so yeah, again, the, the idea here is, is that just a pause? Does the United States suddenly expect that Israel is going to stop what it's doing? Israel cannot stop what it's doing. And in fact, they came very close to ending the ceasefire last night because Hamas literally waited until five minutes before the deadline to come up with new hostages. And what, what Hamas is doing right now is so unbelievably evil. It, it's as evil as what they did on October 7th. It's just in slow motion. So on October 7th, they murdered 1,200 people and they kidnapped another 240. And now they're separating families out. They're saying that some people are dead who are still alive. There's some, they're saying some people who are alive are, are actually dead. And, and meanwhile, they are pursuing terror attacks. So literally this morning in Israel, Israel time, there was a terror attack. It was in the, a major, tra highly trafficked street corner in Jerusalem at a bus stop. 
And um, you can see these are two brothers from East Jerusalem who identify with Hamas. Hamas took credit for this attack. They get out of their car and they just start mowing down a bunch of people who are at a bus stop. They ended up killing three people, including a pregnant 24-year-old woman. They were shot by people who were on the scene. Reserves who showed up with their guns. Uh, a, a, a civilian who was off duty and who ended up shooting them. Three dead, six injured. Supposedly, this is in the middle of a ceasefire. Hamas took full credit for this. Hamas says this is a good thing. And yet Israel is supposed to keep going with some sort of pause to get the hostages out. I got to say, there is a moral question as to whether Israel should or can continue to do this sort of routine. Because again, what's happened to the hostages is horrible and evil and continues to be horrible and evil. At the same time, is the life of a hostage any more valuable than the life of that 24-year-old pregnant woman who's just murdered on a street corner in Jerusalem, which presumably would not have happened if Israel were continuing its military operations to defenestrate Hamas? Speaking of the treatment of the hostages, it's amazing to watch as world and international organizations pretend that the hostages were treated well in some way. Elon Levy, who's the spokesperson for the Israeli government, he says, uh, no, the hostages were not, in fact, held in reasonable conditions. As the survivors of Hamas captivity return home over the last week, we're beginning to discover new chilling details about life as Hamas hostages. I'm, of course, not at liberty to share information from the official investigations, but the evidence that the families have been sharing with the media is chilling. The hostages were not held in reasonable conditions, as some have cynically claimed. Our children were serially abused. Just like Hamas recorded its own crimes against humanity on October 7th, it continues to document its own atrocities, releasing footage of crowds terrorizing the hostages in their final moments of captivity. Those scenes bringing to mind that scene from Game of Thrones and fans of the series will, of course, know which scene I'm talking about. Of course, the hostages were not held in reasonable condition. What else do you expect from, you know, a terrorist group? I mean, the simple fact of the matter is that the hostages were treated precisely as you would expect Hamas to treat the hostages. We'll get to that in just one second. First, I've got a holiday gift idea. It's sure to make you the hero of the season. Now, we all know that the holidays can be a bit hectic, the shopping, the cooking, the never-ending list of things to do. Fear not, I have discovered a gift that's not just thoughtful, it's downright transformative. We're talking about the gift of GenuCell skincare. Now, I know about GenuCell because like 10 years ago, I was doing a local radio show in Los Angeles and they gave me some of the product. My wife used it, my mom used it. They kept using it long after GenuCell was an advertiser. Well, from now until Christmas, GenuCell's most popular package has a special discount just for my listeners at GenuCell.com Shapiro. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the absolute best skincare in the world. Those troubling forehead wrinkles, fine line skin redness, yes, even that sagging jawline, they will disappear directly before your eyes with GenuCell's most popular collection. GenuCell promises immediate effects. You'll see results in less than 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Again, GenuCell has sent a bunch of product down to our office as well. Everybody is using it. You deserve to look and feel your best this holiday season. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Get this incredible holiday discount. Every order today is instantly upgraded to free express shipping. That's GenuCell.com slash Shapiro today. Again, GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. So meanwhile, as we're discussing, those who oppose Israel destroying Hamas, they continue to make a variety of arguments. Again, Israel's considering going back in. They're going to have to. The only question is when. And so there are a bunch of people, predominantly on the left, who are attempting to make the claim that Israel should stop. They are complaining that after Hamas, no one knows what comes next. That's a weird accusation because pretty much everybody knows what comes next. An Israeli-led reoccupation of the Gaza Strip. 
hopefully with some input from Egypt, Saudi Arabia, UAE to help fund this and to establish a peaceful regime that will eventually break the back of the PA and Hamas Nazification efforts over the past four generations to indoctrinate literally two million people in the idea that the Jews must be destroyed. But the media pretend they don't understand. I got to say, the faux ignorance of members of the media is truly an amazing thing to watch. These are people who pretend that they know everything, but suddenly they turn into simple-minded village idiots when confronted with bare facts. So here's Chris Hayes of MSNBC picking up Rachel Maddow's glasses, putting them on, and, uh, and then playing the village idiot. There's a question of what comes after. People say Hamas must be destroyed. Yes, right? it must. But um, then, okay, well then, well then what? There's some who said maybe the Palestinian Authority uh, can, can be the governing entity. No, they can't. Okay, so I, I know that you, 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 you repost They can because they're so then, educated for hate. You know, but they're not, while but they they're are not educated, Hamas, right? they are not Hamas, but they are educated for hate. But then who? And they who? are paid for slay, so they can't. Who? Okay, so what we want to do first is to eliminate Hamas. And then to have a buffer zone, okay. you know, in order to, to keep our villages safe. And then... Um, there should be like maybe international uh, international allies from you know countries like Egypt, like the UAE, that will come and manage their lives there for a few years. We need to do you know denazification in order to what you know, does that to, mean? It, it yeah, denazification, yeah, because right now their children from the age. Of, since they are, since they born from the age of two or three, we saw it in the gar, in the kindergartens. We saw it in their school. They are being educated to slaughtered Jews. Okay. This is how they are being with, educated. With all due respect, with and all due need, respect, let me just say this: whether that is true or not, it is true. You can't okay. you can't but argue what, on okay, the facts. Okay. We saw it in their schools. There are ten, we saw rockets in ten their or fifteen thousand people have died. There have been children who have died. This is not. We didn't but start this war. I know you didn't, but my, my question to you is, what I hear from you is not Joe Biden says we have to restart the two-state solution. What I hear from you and what I hear from most of Israeli political leaders in the center-right and in mm -hmm. the coalition government is no Hamas, no PA, right. maybe an international coalition, and we will manage the occupation in perpetuity, and we will settle the West Bank, and that's no. it, and you will have to deal with that. Okay, and you will have to deal with it. Chris Hayes then goes on to suggest, well, you're denying self-determination to these people. It is worth pointing out at this point that Chris Hayes' ridiculous assumption that self-determination is somehow owed to every single group, regardless of the evils of their belief system, is extraordinarily dangerous. Did ISIS deserve self-determination? How about Hezbollah? How about the white supremacists Hayes sees around every corner? Do they deserve self-determination? But in order to back Hayes' point, the left continues to push the idea that the Palestinian Arabs in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank are somehow magically a moderate group simply dominated by a few terror masters. I know there's a very flattering myth the left, that the West, particularly, we love to tell ourselves this myth. Right? This is the we will be greeted as liberators in Iraq myth. It's the same thing from the Bush administration. Here is the Pentagon spokesperson saying just that. Of course, the Israelis are taking into account innocent civilians. Um, that's why, again, in all of our calls uh, that the secretary has with his counterpart, Minister Gallant, we continue to urge, of course, for the protection of innocent civilians wherever they are in Gaza. And, and again, we have to remember... Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people, and they shouldn't. Um, the Palestinian people deserve true leadership. Um, and, and again, Hamas really should be rooted out from within Gaza. Okay, so the idea that they don't represent the Palestinian people is a lie. There's precisely zero evidence that Hamas does not represent the Palestinians 
Like zero, no evidence of that fact. Doesn't mean they're all terrorists. It means they do support a terrorist group, period. They elected Hamas. And then by every available poll since then, they support Hamas, including in the West Bank where Hamas is not governed. So for all the people who are saying you can't trust the poll results in Gaza, fine. Don't trust those poll results. Trust the poll results in the West Bank where the Palestinian Authority is the governing entity. Then there's the complaint that the left is lodging that Israel must stop its campaign against Hamas in order to minimize civilian casualties. As we've repeatedly discussed, Israel tries to do that, but to focus on this question gives total leverage to Hamas because Hamas doesn't care at all. Like they care zero about that topic. Finally, the left complains that international institutions are being hampered in their efforts to help. Well, let's talk a little bit about these so-called international institutions. They are a sick joke. They are broken. They are broken because there is no such thing as an international community. There can be no community with tyrannical hellholes and people who support terrorism. And yet apparently, so long as you say the magic words, international humanitarian institution, everybody is supposed to bow and scrape before you as though you are in fact a good-hearted saint doing wondrous healing work. More often than that, more often than not, the term international humanitarian organization is a tremendous lie. Take, for example, the United Nations. The utter disgrace that is the UN is nothing new, of course. The UN came into being in the aftermath of World War II when the West was seeking to end all conflict via international diplomacy. As literally all of history since that has shown, that plan was a giant failure. It turns out the best guarantor of international safety and security is a strong, hegemonic Western power, namely the United States. Whenever the UN has been entrusted to guarantee safety and security, it has failed. In Korea, in Rwanda, in Yugoslavia, in the Sinai Desert, in Lebanon, literally everywhere, Whenever UN peacekeepers are put in a place and then a tyrannical regime demands they be removed, they just leave. UN agencies have sometimes been helpful in distributing aid, but just as often they've stolen that aid or worked on behalf of nefarious powers. Nowhere has all of this been truer than in the Gaza Strip. We'll get to that in just one second. First, the holidays are here. The last thing you need during this busy time of year is to miss out on a great night's sleep. This is why my team has been using Beam's Dream Powder. Beam's Dream Powder contains a powerful all-natural blend of ingredients, including magnesium L-theanine. It's not just your run-of-the-mill sleep aid. It's a concoction carefully crafted to help you slip into the sweet embrace of rest without the grogginess that often accompanies other sleep remedies. Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health. You must have a consistent nighttime routine to function at your best. I know I'm on the road right now and it's screwing up my sleep schedule. I need to get back home, get into a sleep schedule, and you need Beam Dream today. My listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their best-selling hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now in delicious flavors like cinnamon cocoa, chocolate peanut butter, and mint chip, better sleep has never tasted better. You just mix some Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. If you find yourself battling the bedtime blues, give it a shot. Your weary self will, in fact, thank you. Try Beam's best-selling Dream Powder. Take advantage of their Biggest sale of the year. Get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Ben. That discount is auto-applied to checkout. No code necessary. That's shopbeam.com slash Ben for up to 50% off. Okay, so as the world clamors for Israel to stop its operations in the Gaza Strip, even as Israel prepares to go back in, they're again claiming that international agencies must be allowed to do their work. These international agencies are by and large garbage and or tools of Hamas. The UN Relief and Works Agency, for example, the only agency in the UN dedicated to one specific group of people, Palestinian Arab refugees. And I put refugees in quotes there because we are now talking about the great grandchildren of people who moved like three miles down the road into the Gaza Strip has funneled billions of dollars to Palestinians, including terror groups. In fact, since 1994, the United States has sent over $10 billion to the Palestinians. The United States supplies nearly 30% of the UNRWA budget historically. The UNRWA workforce, it consists of tens of thousands of 
Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip, including many terrorists and terror supporters, as we've talked about on the show. When the Trump administration cut aid to the UNRWA, the State Department said, quote, the fundamental business model and fiscal practices that have marked UNRWA for years, tied to UNRWA's endlessly and exponentially expanding community of entitled beneficiaries, is simply unsustainable and has been in crisis mode for many years. The Biden administration quickly restored aid to the UNRWA, but now the UNRWA is giving Western powers heartburn again. That's because of reports that one of the child hostages held by Hamas was actually being held by a UNRWA teacher, barely given any food and no medicine. By the way, that would be the kind of person teaching at the schools that Chris Hayes denies are actually teaching at the schools. When I yell at Shakade in that clip, tells Chris Hayes that people are being indoctrinated by teachers from the UNRWA. And he says, well, even if that's literally one of those teachers was holding a hostage, a child hostage in his attic. No wonder the Bundestag Foreign Affairs Committee's Frank Mueller Rosenstritt in Germany actually called on the German government to cut aid to the UNRWA. And it's not just the UNRWA that's the problem. Here is Sarah Hendricks, Deputy Executive Director for UN Women. That's a Western organization that has not bothered to condemn Hamas's mass rape of Israeli women on October 7th. Here she was being questioned by Biana Galadriga of CNN. Is there a reason, though, Sarah, that you can't specifically call out Hamas and the mounting evidence now over seven weeks that Israeli investigators have collected that we've shown our viewers about the atrocities they committed specifically on October 7th? Because I think that's the crux of the issue here. It's not just condemning sexual violence against women and in any war in general. It's specifically what occurred on October 7th perpetrated by Hamas. Indeed. UN Women always supports impartial, independent investigations into any serious allegations of gender-based or sexual violence. And within the UN family, these investigations are led by the Office of the High Commissioner of Human Rights. And just to provide a little bit of context in terms of UN Women's role, UN Women specifically provides and has extensive knowledge on gender-based violence and provides and supports investigations as we do with all UN investigations. So that's going to be a no on condemning Hamas. That is an awful lot of word salad to avoid condemning Hamas. But what else would you expect from our humanitarian organizations? Take as another example, the International Red Cross. Because the International Committee of the Red Cross requires the help of groups like Hamas to even work in the Gaza Strip, they end up as tools of Hamas. The ICRC has spent little or no time condemning Hamas for its October 7th atrocities. Instead, they've focused on Israel's action in Gaza. The ICRC also failed to report the facts, which they knew, about Israeli hostages being held at Gazan hospitals, even as the international media lied that those hospitals were civilian sites. Meanwhile, the ICRC has not fulfilled one of the key components of Israel's original hostage deal with Hamas, verification of life and health of the hostages being held by Hamas. That failure has had particularly tragic consequences in the case of the Bibas family. They were kidnapped from a village called Nir Oz. The father, Yarden, mother, Shiri, Four-year-old Ariel and 10-month-old Kfir were taken to Gaza. Here's the footage of them being abducted. You can see there's the mom carrying these two red-headed kids as Hamas kidnaps them. They are physically healthy. They were obviously healthy when taken, but nobody knows if they are alive. Earlier this week, it was reported that the family was traded to the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, another terrorist group, by Hamas. And then yesterday, Hamas claimed the family had been killed by Israeli bombs. So where is the ICRC? to testify to any of this, deny it, verify it. They're absolutely missing. Instead, the ICRC, 
the wonderful humanitarian organization, has become a shuttle service for Israeli hostages, helping Hamas release the hostages as Gazan crowds cheer in bloodthirsty fashion. There was more of that last night. Don't worry, folks, the Palestinian Arab population, they hate Hamas, which is why they are literally jeering, mocking, cheering, filming the release of Israeli hostages, mostly women and children. These are wonderful moderates who deserve self-determination, obviously. The world would be a better place if they had a state. The international humanitarian institutions have beclowned themselves in the current Israel-Hamas war, but they were a suspect long before that. It's just that radical Muslims and the left-wing press have laundered lies into public view by adding the imprimatur of the magical international community to corrupt institutions riddled with political radicals and corrupt functionaries. In just one second, I want to talk about international institutions and international politics because a lot of what you are seeing today in the obits about Henry Kissinger is predicated on people's views about particularly this subject. So last night, Henry Kissinger died. He was 100 years old. Um, I'd met him very briefly once, and I had interviewed him once. It didn't end up being taped. Um, He is a fascinating character, obviously. Very checkered character. A lot of the decisions he made were extremely cold-eyed, extremely cold-eyed. A lot of people, ranging from Anthony Bourdain to Christopher Hitchens, condemned him as a war criminal for his decision-making during the Nixon administration with regard to, for example, the Indonesian invasion of East Timor or the American intervention on behalf of Pinochet in Chile in 1973, or or the bombing of Cambodia. By the same token, how you view Kissinger is very much a reflection of how you view international politics as a whole. And the reason that this is broken down into sort of a left-right divide, despite the fact that Kissinger's history was very checkered in terms of left-right decision-making. So for example, the right doesn't like the fact that Kissinger, quote-unquote, opened China. It was Kissinger who really led to the opening of China. At the time, it was a real politic decision because he saw a gap emerging between China and Russia, and he was attempting to exploit that gap by wooing China away from Russia, right? That was the goal. The goal was woo China away from Russia, remove them as a source of trade and resources for Russia, and you will end up weakening the Russian regime, which is why the, the trip to China was initiated with Nixon speaking with Mao. So in retrospect, we can say, and I would say, that's a bad mistake. At the time, it's a choice between two bad decisions. And this was the sort of guiding light of Kissinger's foreign policy. So Henry Kissinger, for for those who don't know much about Kissinger himself, he was a massive celebrity in the 1970s. He was a secretary of state during the Nixon and, and Gerald Ford administrations. According to the Wall Street Journal, no U.S. Secretary of State ever achieved such celebrity while in office as Henry Kissinger. A 1974 Newsweek cover depicted him as Super K, a comic book hero. Time called him the world's most indispensable man. Gallup ranked him America's most admired man. A 1972 Life magazine spread pictured him with a bevy of actresses, including Jill St. John. Yet no former Secretary of State has been more vehemently criticized. Of the many anti-Kissinger books, the most influential was Christopher Hitchens's The Trial of Henry Kissinger, which explicitly accused Kissinger of responsibility for war crimes and crimes against humanity in Indochina, Chile, Argentina, Cyprus, East Timor, and several other places. Although the book mentioned only one other supposed crime scene, Bangladesh, and mentioned the Soviet Union only three times. This is Neil Ferguson, who wrote a biography of Henry Kissinger talking about Henry Kissinger. He said, those accusations stuck like mud. Late in life, Kissinger regularly faced protests at his public appearances, yet they are at odds with the historical record. And Ferguson points out that Kissinger was both the White House National Security Advisor and the Secretary of State. His accomplishments included the negotiation of the first strategic arms limitation treaty, the ABM treaty with the Soviet Union, the opening to China, the ceasefire in the Yom Kippur War in 1973, the end of U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, for which both he and North Vietnamese counterpart 
Mi Duk Tho were awarded the 1973 Nobel Peace Prize. But here is the problem. If you see foreign policy as a family of nations, a lot of good-hearted people out there, they all just want the same thing, but they're having different ways of achieving that, then hardcore foreign policy looks nasty to you. Because the easiest thing is just wash your hands of everything. Oh, if the United States just goes hands off, well, why were we even involved in these places? Why didn't, from the right, what you hear, and I think this critique is correct of Henry Kissinger, is that Henry Kissinger was so focused on the sort of Metternichian balance of power that he forgot that the United States is a global hegemon. And from the left, what you hear of Henry Kissinger is he was engaged in the dirty game of politics, and that meant that the United States was constantly engaged in dirty little wars all around the world we shouldn't have been engaged in. And the reality is somewhere in between. The reason that the left thinks that is because the left believes that if a communist regime were to arise in Latin America with the, with the help of the Soviet Union, that's not a bad thing. I think a Marxist regime in Latin America, or many Marxist regimes in Latin America, what's the big deal? Why is that a problem? Why does it matter if Vietnam turns communist? Why does it matter if Cambodia and Laos turn communist? Why does it matter if East Timor turns communist? Why does any of that matter? First of all, that demonstrates a complete misreading of how foreign policy works. Foreign policy is a dirty, terrible business in which, if I, as I say, Kissinger had one central foreign policy message. His overriding message was avoid the worst outcome, which means sometimes embracing the second worst outcome. If you read any of his books, this was Kissinger's main thing was avoid the worst outcome. This, by the way, was his recommendation in Ukraine. So when it came to Ukraine during this war that is currently ongoing, very early on, he suggested that there should be an off-ramp in Ukraine because everybody knew that Ukraine was not going to take the Donbass or Crimea, in which Ukraine was given security guarantees, did not formally enter NATO, but was given enough armaments to defend itself against a predatory Russian invasion. And Russia was basically given dominion over the territories it was very likely to hold anyway. And this pleased no one in the early days of the war. And it turns out it was rather prescient because what he was attempting to avoid was a straight up face-to-face confrontation between NATO and Russia. That's what he was attempting to avoid. And he knew there, were, there weren't the stones for it in the West. And so realize what is happening on the ground and adjust to it. So when people rip on Kissinger, there are two rips. One is that he misread particular situations. He should have done things differently. All of that's legitimate. The second rip, which is just wrong, is the rip that you don't have to make these sort of considerations when you make American foreign policy. That American foreign policy is either the most sinful foreign policy on planet Earth. Every ill can be ascribed to it. You see this in the critique of Kissinger with regard to Cambodia and Laos, for example. Right? The, the basic idea that is promoted by the left with Cambodia is that Kissinger, when he took over as Secretary of State in the aftermath of LBJ completely botching the Vietnam War, when he came in, he said, we need to start bombing the communist supply lines in Cambodia. And he authorized mass, huge bombing raids into Cambodia without the approval of Congress. Now, you can talk about whether it needed congressional approval and all the rest, that's fine. But as a foreign policy matter, did bombing Cambodia cause, for example, the left now claims that that caused the rise of Pol Pot in Cambodia, that Khmer Rouge would never have happened if we had not bombed Cambodia? That assumes that there's no such thing as agency in the world. It's a lie. It's not true. The minute the United States got out of Vietnam, Cambodia fell to Pol Pot. So again, it's a bunch of considerations. This is the, the overriding message of Kissinger's life, and it's the thing we should take away from it while still quibbling or arguing or strenuously hating many of his foreign policy decisions. Foreign policy is a dangerous and dirty business. It is not possible to engage in foreign policy and keep your hands totally clean. That is not something that you can do because there are, in fact, nefarious powers who hate you and who wish the worst for you and who will have an impact on your life, whether you're talking about them controlling choke points in international trade, as we've talked about on the show, from the Straits of Hormuz to the Straits of Taiwan, or whether you're talking about active military operations against the United States in far-flung places and, yes, indeed, at home. 
You have to recognize that the world is a complex place that requires complex choices. And very often those choices are the choices of the least bad scenario and having to actually engage with the second worst scenario. And that really is the story of Henry Kissinger's foreign policy. Again, I agree with many of the critiques from the right that sometimes he was engaging in the second worst scenario when, say, like a better scenario was available. And again, that's a good critique. What I don't agree with is the total isolationist or libertarian position, which is that America should go hands off in the world and somehow the world will be a better place for it. That is a very difficult position to maintain in, the, in face of the fact that, again, there are countries all over the world that hate us, that do not agree with our values, that seek to maximize their own power at the expense of the American people. There's this weird notion that has taken root on the right and the left. It's this horseshoe theory thing, which is that everybody who acts badly in the world was somehow driven to it by the United States. This is why you're seeing the left embrace TikToks of Osama bin Laden circa 2002. Because, oh, he would never have done that if we hadn't been so mean in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, sure. You see the right do the same thing with regard to Russia never would have invaded Ukraine if it had not been for our attempts to extend a helping hand to, to Ukraine and make overtures toward NATO. Or maybe Russia has a long history under Vladimir Putin of territorial invasions of neighboring countries. Maybe it turns out that other people except for the West have agency. And once you realize other people except for the West have agency, it changes your decision-making dramatically. This is true all over the world. The fundamental foreign policy mistake is the assumption that only the West has agency. This sort of ethnocentricity, this political arrogance leads to, ironically, more death than a humility that acknowledges that other people have interests adverse to our own and that you have to respect those interests, even if that means fighting those interests. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to the 2024 campaign, which, again, this is going to be the weirdest campaign in American history. First, Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Balance of Nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing their natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules are, well, you know, the fruits and the veggies. There's never been an easier way to make sure that you are getting daily dose of fruits and veggies. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of fruit and veggie capsules down to the studio for my team to try. Everybody feels brighter, healthier, more energetic. I love Balance of Nature because it helps make my busy schedule significantly more manageable. Producer Zach brought his Balance of Nature fruits and veggies on the road. I'm actually going to need to steal some from him after the show because I got to be honest with you, didn't get enough sleep last night. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off your first preferred order. Also, Lady Ballers. It's almost here. It's the most triggering comedy of the decade, for sure. I saw it last night. I mean, yes, people are going to be triggered. It is streaming exclusively on Daily Wire Plus tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. You've heard us talking about the movie all week. And now I get to tell you even more because I actually saw the movie. Believe it or not, as an executive producer on the film, I had not seen the movie until last night. And um, it is hilarious. I got to say, special props to Tyler, special special props to the Crane Boys, David Cohn. I mean, there there is so much that is very funny in this movie. And most of all, it is the movie that Hollywood should have been making, but they couldn't. And so we did. We are making jokes about a thing that needs to be mocked. And that is the idea that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. It's a stupid idea requires jokes, and that's what we're doing. Lady Ballers premieres tomorrow night exclusively at Daily Wire Plus at 8 p.m. Eastern. Well, meanwhile, the 2024 election continues apace. Right now, in the real clear politics average, Donald Trump is up about two points. There are two recent polls that have Biden back up a couple of points, but he is never above 44, 43% in these polls. And in fact, in the polls where he's at 49 or 47 or 46, Trump is up on him in those polls. So in other words, Joe Biden is stuck. 
his ceiling is like 44, 45%. And when people are forced to the decision, Matt, right now they're breaking in favor of Trump. In fact, what the polls are showing is not right now actually increase or decrease support for Biden. Actually, over the course of the last couple of months, his support is slightly up Biden in these polls. The, the problem for him is that all the independents are breaking in favor of Trump. Why is that happening? It's because, again, all the focus is on Joe Biden. And so the question is going to be, can Donald Trump keep the focus on Joe Biden as this election moves forward? In order for that to happen, Trump cannot run a revenge campaign. He cannot. His campaign can be a political, a policy revenge campaign. He can say, listen, here are my policies. Joe Biden got rid of all of them and the world is now on fire. I closed the border. Joe Biden opened the border. I was negotiating peace in the Middle East. Joe Biden has blown up all of that by legitimizing the Houthis in Yemen, by funding Iran, by restoring aid to the Palestinians. He can say all of that. He can say that the economy was going great guns before COVID. And then even in the middle of COVID, the economy was recovering at a steeper pace than it did subsequently under Joe Biden. Joe Biden has broken all of the economic levers, which is why right now the economy is running extremely hot, but also we are in danger of continued baked in inflation. Right? He can say all those things. That, that would be a great campaign. Making that campaign about were you better off in 2019 or are you better off in 2024? That is a good winning campaign for Donald Trump. You know what's not a great winning campaign for Donald Trump? I'm coming in. I'm going to break all the people who came after me. That is not something I think the American people are up for. Again, because the best of Donald Trump, always and forever, was the version of Donald Trump who said, I am your tool. You wield me in order to achieve certain objectives. I am the shield for you. But when he starts to make it about the voters being a shield for him, people tend to object to that. They don't want to buy into his personal issues even if they think, like I do, that many of those issues are being created by the left and are false. If the answer to, to Donald Trump is being unjustly persecuted is election, I don't buy that. I think the, the answer to Donald Trump, Trump being unjustly persecuted is fund his legal defense fund. But again, he has an independent case to make that is way better than that, which is why, again, he's been soaring in the polls the less you see of him. You have not seen him. He's been gone. All the focus has been on Joe Biden. It needs to stay that way, which is why I think it's particularly foolish for Donald Trump to go out there and start warning people about the weaponization of the DOJ. So Trump put out a, a giant statement on Truth Social yesterday. He said, I'm 12 points up on crooked Joe Biden. I don't know what poll he's looking at where he's 12 points up on. on I, w- I, listen, I wish, I wish he's not. There are no polls where he's up 12 points on Biden. But he's got the Justice Department and others suing me wherever and whenever possible. Weaponization, it's called, and maybe that can make a difference. This has never been done on this scale before, not in our country. It opens up a very big and dangerous Pandora's box. Joe Biden should stop his election interfering thugs before it is too late for him and the rest of the country. As the leader of the opposition party, I should not be forced to campaign from inside a courthouse, which is very doable, but not very democratic or convenient. This is where they want me to spend my time and money. It is not the way our system is supposed to work if they file these. And then he just goes on along these lines. Again, I don't think he's wrong about any of this. I just don't see why that should be the centerpiece of the campaign. It can certainly be a part of the campaign. Him saying, listen, Joe Biden's a very bad president. He's going to lose. That's the reason he's targeting me. But back to why Joe Biden is a bad president. That is totally worthwhile. But if his campaign is, in fact, about his sort of personal venge taking, I think that's going to be a problem for him. That's a thought expressed by his, by the way, erstwhile ally, Kevin McCarthy, former Speaker of the House. He said this yesterday. He said, if Trump's campaign is about revenge, he'll lose. I don't think that's wrong. And like or hate McCarthy, this is not bad political analysis. I'm trying to square in my brain Mm -hmm. how you have those feelings about him at that time and say, I think he would be a great president today. I didn't say a great president. I said he'd be a better president than 
what we're having. I said the country would be in a better place. If his campaign is about renew, rebuild, and restore, he'll win. If it's about revenge, he'll lose. That's the only person that's going to determine not that is not his campaign ad, is him. Yeah, and, and he's right about that. McCarthy is right about that, which is why Trump needs to be careful. Now, I will say Trump did something absolutely kind of ridiculous that is worth noting yesterday because, frankly, if any other candidate did this, like Trump, I understand that Trump has a hall pass from the entire Republican Party for pretty much anything he does at this point because it's all baked into the cake at this point. But Donald Trump did, in fact, endorse BLM yesterday, which is like an insane thing to do. So what happened is that um, there's a person named Mark Fisher who built himself as a co-founder of BLM in Rhode Island. He said he was very honored to have his and BLM's support. BLM is a garbage organization. You don't want BLM's support. I mean, I understand, again, that everything Trump says has to be taken not just with a, a grain of salt, but like a giant iceberg of salt, like a giant salt block from the Dead Sea. I get it. But can we just point out that BLM is a horrifying organization? It's a giant grift. Not only is it a giant grift, it's a giant anti-Semitic grift and a giant anti-white grift, and it's really, really bad. So, you know, this is, in terms of his record, by the way, this is the part of his record I think that's the worst, is the criminal justice reform kind of stuff, the idea that he's going to jailbreak a bunch of people who are criminals. But in any case, if Donald Trump wants to win, he is going to have to focus in on the failures of Joe Biden, of which there are many. We'll get to that in just one second. First, the October 15th tax deadline has already passed. I know many of you might be dreading the stress of filing those taxes. I know it's terrible every year. Filing your taxes can be a long, excruciating process, but if you fail to file, you'll start to pile penalties on your tax debt, which is why you need to check out Tax Network USA. The team at Tax Network USA has a track record of success. They've reduced tax debts for numerous clients, totaling over a billion dollars. Whether you're looking at a $10,000 or $1 million tax debt, they can help you with a settlement. It doesn't matter if you haven't filed in a year, five years, even a whole decade. Tax Network USA is equipped to secure the best settlement for you. Their expert attorneys and tax professionals can help resolve all tax cases, no matter how they started. Don't let tax debt control your life any longer. Take the first step toward resolving your tax issues by visiting taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro. That's taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro. Again, when you fall behind on your tax debts, it can eat your life. I mean, like for years, for decades, you need to get that solved today. If you have tax issues, visit taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro and get started resolving that issue today. That's taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro today. Well, there is a rule in presidential politics, particularly campaign politics, that when something goes wrong, sort of everything goes wrong. Uh, my friend John Podhoritz over the Commentary Magazine podcast, he's the editor of Commentary Magazine, wrote a book in the early 1990s about the Bush doomed reelect effort in 1991, 1992. And one of his basic theses was that when a campaign is failing, Everything starts to go wrong all at once. And that seems to be happening to Joe Biden right now, whether it is him just wandering around on stage as a comedian, Shane Gillis puts it like a, like a Roomba when he's sort of confused at the end of his speeches, just bumping into things, or whether it's what happened last night. So uh, the Biden Christmas tree uh, just fell over. They're trying to put it up and it fell over. Again, these sorts of images, they don't mean anything on their own, but they do when there's a generalized sort of feeling of instability and when the Christmas tree represents the actual president of the United States and it falls over, again, is he in, is he in charge of the weather? No, the Jews are in charge of the weather, as we all know. But when, when it falls over, everybody is immediately flashing to Joe Biden falling up the stairs, right? I mean, here, here's what it looked like last night. 
and you put the screws like Uncle yeah. Fester on his head, yeah. and you make sure it's equal, and you stand that tree up, and you should be able to walk out of that room and know it won't fall down. Sadly, no one listened to me yesterday. Down goes the Frasier fur. Well, he's... <laughs> okay, Brian. I, I don't know that you've read all the details about the National Christmas tree, which blew over in a... a we'll make excuses yesterday. for him. Well, here's the thing. They didn't put it in a stand. They planted it. That's uh, a big well, problem. That's the problem. On, on the, don't listen to me. Don't listen to Brian. On the okay, so uh, there they are trying to pull it back up again. Again, it's are these major? Th they're not major things. Obviously, they're silly things. But when all the silly things seem to fall in one direction, that is a bad sign for the incumbent president of the United States. Like Jimmy Carter being attacked while he was on a boat in 1979 by a rabbit, like a rabbit, like a rabid rabbit. It was a, it was an actual thing that happened apparently. Well. Here's the thing. It's not just that Joe Biden, things are going wrong for him. It's that, of course, things are going wrong for him because he's not good at the president thing. According to Axios, evidence is stacking up showing Americans are saving less and drawing down their existing savings cushions. Of course they are, because the more you save in an inflationary economy, the less your money is worth. If I put 100 bucks in the bank today, and then my dollar is worth 50% of what it was worth six months from now, I've lost money by keeping my money parked. Instead, you're better off buying things. This is why you're seeing an accelerating rate of growth. So Q3 showed a 5.2% increase in GDP. That sounds amazing, right? That's great. Except that what's actually happening is everybody is pre-buying all the materials for Q4 in anticipation of the fact that prices are probably going to continue to rise as we hit the holidays. According to Axios, the share of adults who say they can cover six months of expenses using their savings is considerably lower than it was last year, according to polling from Morning Consult. The share that simply doesn't know how long their savings will carry them has grown from about 15.5% in July 2022 to 21%. The spending right now is buoying the economy, but it's likely to crash on the other end and nobody's going to have savings because they already spent their savings because of the inflation. So that is really bad news. Again, the, the economic news here is so mixed. This is why people are feeling on tenterhooks. Inflation eats everything. And Joe Biden has not been able to tame inflation in such a way that people feel secure in the economy. Now, all the financial experts are expecting that the Federal Reserve is going to actually decrease the interest rates in the near future. Which, of course, there are a lot of people like, wait, isn't inflation still running hot right now? And the answer is yes, it is still running hot right now. And if you decrease those inflation, the, those interest rates, then presumably you're going to get new spending, new investment, and all of the rest of it. The bond markets jumped at this, obviously, because your bond is worth more now than it was yesterday if the interest rates start to, start to drop. With that said, is any of this good news for Joe Biden's economy? Again, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place on the actual policy. Meanwhile, the Republicans are starting to go after Joe Biden again on the impeachment inquiry. Republicans are apparently considering holding an official House vote next month to authorize the impeachment inquiry into Biden. McCarthy initiated it when he was Speaker of the House without an actual vote because he didn't think he had the votes. Now GOP leaders are talking about the possibility of a vote during a closed-door meeting with Republican lawmakers. Republican leaders have long said a vote on the impeachment investigation was unnecessary, they're now reconsidering because White House lawyers are using the lack of a formal House authorization to argue that the investigation lacks constitutional legitimacy. The problem, of course, is that it's not clear they've got the votes for that. That's, I've yet to see the evidence that Mike Johnson is like significantly better at whipping votes than, than Kevin McCarthy was. McCarthy was pretty good at that. He was pretty good at counting the heads. Johnson may be good at it. We just don't know as of yet. No matter, the, the impeachment inquiry on top of Joe Biden's failing presidency is not going to help him. It isn't. And um, and the White House doesn't have a great rebuttal to it. Here is Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday trying to go after Republicans for pursuing the impeachment inquiry. House Republicans should, should really focus on American families instead of the president's family. That's what 
Americans want to see. That's not going to that's not going to cut it. Nobody buys the focus on American families, not on Joe Biden's family. First of all, Joe Biden's family is an American family and a rather key American family. I will say again, I think that, that Hunter Biden's new tactic is actually somewhat intelligent. Calling on the House GOP to open up the meetings, I, I think is actually pretty smart because it's basically calling their bluff. He's, he's saying, listen, whatever you have to come after me about, let's do this all in front of, in front of everybody. The House has denied that request. James Comer, the head of the House Oversight Committee, he said, our lawfully issued subpoena to Hunter Biden requires him to appear for a deposition on December 13th. We expect full cooperation with our subpoena for a deposition. We also agree Hunter Biden should have the opportunity to testify in a public setting at a future date. Typically, House panels insist on a private deposition before allowing the public appearance. The January 6th Select Committee denied several requests to testify publicly, including one from Rudy Giuliani. Jim Jordan, for his part, said, sure, we'd love to have Hunter in for an open hearing. First, we need to have him testify behind closed doors so we can ask him all the questions we want to ask him. And those facts are confirmed by some of the evidence we've uncovered already. Already, This 1023 form where the confidential human source told the FBI and it was recorded in this form. That, those are the key facts. And now it's important. We got a lot of those key facts when we interviewed one of Hunter Biden's business partners, Mr. Archer. It's important we talk to the others. We need to talk to Eric Schwerman. We need to talk to Rob Walker. We need to talk to Tony Bobolinsky. And we are in conversations with their lawyers, and we think those are going to happen. And we need to talk to Jim Biden, who was also in business with Hunter Biden. Those things need to happen. And then, as the chairman just said, as Chairman Comer just said, we will uh, have Hunter Biden in a deposition. And frankly, I think in, a, in an open hearing, I think that would, be, that would be great. That's what needs to happen so the American people get the facts, get the truth. Hey, so... Again, Republicans are going to keep pushing here. None of it is going to be particularly good for Joe Biden. Alrighty, in just a second, we're going to get to the, the dumbest excuse for the American national debt that I've seen recently. If you're not a member, become a member. Use Coach Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 